Thank you for your presence here this morning. And as I ponder the message this morning, I don't know what you all are expecting me to share this morning, but uh, we want to pick up on previous message, beginning of some sharing I did a while back. It seems like it's been a little while. But um, regarding the Word of God, and as I pondered that this morning, I had to think in recent days, um, we need to take the Sunday school text to heart and let not our heart be troubled in the world and day in which we live in. But I had to think, if indeed the Dr. Seuss books can be handled with such extent of analysis and action, how long will you and I have this? I trust we will have it. But let us prepare our hearts and minds, dear ones, that we love the Word of God, that we know it, that we reach, reach for it, we pursue it. The last time we looked at the Bible as far as what it says about itself, its own sure witness, the gospel of Jesus Christ, its own sure witness. And I'd like to carry that on to part two, I guess you could call it this morning here. But as you may recall, sometimes we can read over material, we can read over passages, and we can draw certain things from them, and it's very valid and very true. But there are times when we read over passages that we miss certain aspects certain clues that help us in a broader understanding of God's design and purpose and how he brought the scriptures to us. And um, you may recall we looked at a number of those scriptures in introducing this in the first message from the Luke the writer um, in his introduction to a few of his writings. And he formulated and reminded us of some of the purposes and plans that was behind the revelation that was given, the record that was established, and so forth. And we left off there in our last time of sharing on this, following a little bit of an analysis of what the Scripture shared on the life of the Apostle Paul as one of the apostles and... Um, what the scripture had to say about his involvement in that. So I, in a sense, I apologize for not having a, uh, a three-point message, if you will. But at the same point, I, at the same time, I believe it's important for us to seek to learn and remind ourselves of how the scriptures are tied together and, and it increases our faith. I know it increases mine when I see how things are fit together and um, how much more in the day in which we find ourselves living here today. Thinking about the apostles, Christ's apostles and their role in, in being taught of him, being commissioned by him, being assigned the duty to carry forth, to, to write and oversee the writings of the gospels and the epistles and 
and um, the New Testament writings. We see that in um, quite a number of different areas, but the um, the element of considering the fact of what we see some in the world around us today with certain uh, religions that claim the ongoing apostolic uh, revelation, apostolic ministry, uh, an open canon, if you will, the open that the they believe that the 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 parameter, the canon, the rule, the that sets the limit that what is the word of God is is open and ongoing, even for their. Um, perspectives today what they would set forth as revelation so we want to pick up there and I want to do I want to begin here by reminding us that as we talked about the the role of the apostles I want to clarify and to make sure we understand that in the scriptures the the title apostle is used in a varied sense to a degree um, and in the role of the 12 disciples, those commissioned by Christ, um, there's a sense in which it is a higher usage. Um, and so we want to understand that. There are others, uh, I believe in Acts, uh, there's a one place where Barnabas uh, is referred to as an apostle. There are some other unnamed persons referred to in Scripture as I understand that were referred to as apostles, but there is the higher sense, those that Jesus um, personally called and those in the lower sense that continue in that regard in the church. The, the word apostle is a word that means to be sent. And uh, there's a word that ties in with it fairly closely in the Latin that that we can relate to, and that word in the Latin is translated into our English language as missionary. Um, so I think for most of us that have ever been involved in any mission outreach or mission endeavor, we didn't consider ourselves apostles at that point. But in that sense, uh, it was the thought of being sent. <clears throat> Perhaps a couple scriptures. John thirteen sixteen is one that that uses the um, word in that sense. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say the words of the Christ of our Lord here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Second um, Corinthians eight twenty three is another passage, perhaps we'll, um, there it's the word messenger is used, translated, and then I'll take the time to go to Philippians 2, verse 25. Paul writes here, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion, laborer and fellow soldier, but your messenger 
and he that ministered to my wants. Here was another usage of that, that word. So as we move forward, keep that in perspective. It may, it may uh, serve you well in, in thinking through and, and considering some of these elements. I want to look further at the role of the apostles in regard to their teaching, their doctrine, in Acts chapter 2, to begin with, there's uh, evidences of the importance of their doctrine. We can probably think of a number of scriptures, but here is one that specifically refers to the fact that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. It says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. There was, here was one record um, among many others that revealed the role, the, the importance of what the apostles were, had been taught, what they were, what was revealed to them later through the Spirit and what they uh, set forth and it's it's actually referred to we'll see in certain occasions here that it's referred to in that setting as as traditions but uh, I want to look at that a little bit more second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6 brings out that that thought <clears throat> I apologize in a sense for taking a little methodical more methodical route here but I think it's important for us to to be able to absorb some of these things if, if we need to learn them, to be refreshed and reminded of them. And uh, so I want to allow you to have time to follow me through these scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. We read these words. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. Now here we have um, a reference to the teaching of the apostles uh, in their midst, referred to as after the tradition which he received of us. Now, and a warning for those to... to um, to give heed and caution to the way they move forward. In verse um, 14 here, I want to bring something else out. He says further, And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Now that, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? That sounds cut and dried. But they, as as the as Christ had called them and as they were given revelation they taught and they set it forth and they were seeking to present it and maintain its purity and so there was that concept that if those that would not give heed to the apostles doctrine they were to be guarded as dangerous company says, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. In the next verse there. Um, 
Now, I did want to back up and, and say, um, I didn't look that up in the Spanish Bible, but there in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, that, that uh, word tradition there is, is a, it's translated a teaching or a transmission, that which was conveyed to them. Um, so sometimes it's helpful to give those words a, a second over, a study, a bit of a study to understand the intent and actually what took place. Sometimes we can take that word tradition and just uh, say, well, it's that we plan to have a fellowship meal every time we have a council meeting, <laughs> that type of thing. And uh, that's not what is in focus here. Now, there is some evidence that the reference in the scriptures to the traditions um, that in the Catholic Church there is evidences that they took that and extended it to their their applications and traditions beyond the closed canon as we understand Scripture to speak of itself. Turn to the Jude, Epistle Jude. It's an interesting set of words here. Um... This is kind of a side note, and I guess in a sense it deviates from my intent to draw strictly from the scriptures to see what the scriptures say about itself, what they give witness of regarding itself. But letter of Jude, in verse 17, we read this, and I find it interesting. He was not an apostle, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their ungodly lust. So he goes on there, but notice what he refers to. He ties the, the instruction, the teaching, the doctrines of the apostles to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and he says, remembered, remember ye those words which were spoken before. And so he was validating the authority of the apostles' doctrine in that setting. And a number of scriptures help us understand that as the apostles, as the, as the apostles taught their doctrine, in the infancy of the church, it it became it began to function as scripture in that setting, and it was regarded with with that authority and with that with that role in their lives. And as it happened that way, uh, we see as we read there in Acts two forty two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They recognized it. They received it as the word of God, as having authority in their life and experience, giving them direction because it was, it was conveyed, and this kind of goes back into the first message, but it was conveyed by those who were eyewitnesses of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. They were tutored under his direction and spirit it was given authority by the independent observations of it, the authoritative teaching of it. And then also we'll know um, 
we notice in the scriptures a number of occasions where it refers to the role of the apostles and their revelation and their role through the um, confirmation of the signs that went with that. <clears throat> Let's go to Mark chapter 16, Gospel of Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We have the Great Commission here in the Gospel of Mark, and it reads like this. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall, not, shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall hurt, not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, here is uh, the signs that were revealed in the life of the apostles there. And we want to see that a little further as we go along. Um, you know, perhaps, well, we had a question in Sunday school class this morning a little bit like that. Well, what about the greater works that Christ referred to in our lives? But let's, let's um, seek to be careful as we look in the scriptures and not to, to generalize, but to make proper application of it um, as we bring it into our daily lives in the current age in which we live. In verse 19 it says, So then, after this is following the ascension, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. This is speaking of the apostles. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Now, let's look at another place. Sometimes we seek to interpret the scriptures correctly, there is strength and, and uh, help in, in making, a half, making observations in various locations. So Hebrews chapter 2 is another place that we have record of the role that those things took in the early church. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The writer says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Who heard him? The apostles heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So keep in mind some of those aspects that, that the scriptures do reveal to us there in that. Now let's go to Acts chapter 5. Some further references that can help us, I believe, in, in our perspective of understanding the role and the authority by which the apostles set forth the doctrines. 
Acts chapter 5 and verse 12 and 13. Section here regarding many signs and wonders. And it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnify it, magnified them. Now, I, didn't, I should have looked that up in other uh, in the original and other, other versions. Uh, but we see that there was a setting apart as it was with the, due to the authority by which the apostles spoke and, and functioned. And as they went about where they were in the presence of their ministry, there was evidence of these things. Um, let's turn over to Acts 19, another passage that helps us review some of that. Acts 19, verses 11. And now this, at the close of the last message, we talked a little bit about how it came to be the apostleship of the Apostle Paul and, and how it was confirmed and things involving him. And this scripture refers to the place of um, the sign gifts in his ministry, in his work. It says here in verse 11 um, and 12, and then I want to go down further, but 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, if you notice, the, this was part of his involvement there, but notice down in verse 20 of that passage, it says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Um, and in the previous verses, interjoining inter these first verses I read, there is references to the fear of God, the, uh, the understanding that the fear of the... Fear fell on them all in verse 17, and the name of the Lord was Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. You see there the fruits of repentance, the fruits of brokenness, the fruits of casting all their cares on him that he might care, be able to care fully for them. Second Corinthians twelve twelve is another passage that reflects on these this uh, element of the authority of the apostles and, and Paul's experience in particular. Second Corinthians twelve twelve. Here is some of the passages, the verses that Paul is defending his apostleship, demonstrates it, we call it defending, but he, he presents it, the evidence of it. Um, I'll begin in verse 11. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been command, commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. 
Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it, whether, for what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. But in verse 12, I wanted to focus there on that. The signs of an apostle were noticed. They were referred to, acknowledged that they were wrought. They were brought to pass there in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. This morning, as we look at the scriptures, I realize the, the major body of this, this message perhaps was in the first aspect but um, when you look at the New Testament scriptures and we realize that the scriptures refer to the role of those called that had, that had um, personally been called by Christ, different elements of their ministry. And then we see that, and this morning it's interesting, we're starting a study in the Sunday school lesson on the book of John. But when you consider the fact that the Gospel of John, which we understand to be the last Gospel that was written, when you consider the fact that the last epistle to be written, epistle to be written was what? Revelation. And in the early church, when those called of Christ as apostles when they left the scene, there was a sense in which that canon was very clearly closed. You have the record there in, in Revelations of John, Revelation of John the Revelator writing regarding the end of those writings. Whosoever will add to or take away he points out and refers to the condemnation that would come upon them. There were others, even as we face today in the biblical record, that were seeking to, to put themselves in the place of those that Christ had called and commissioned for that role. Um, in Revelations chapter 2, if you're handy there, you can turn to that passage. Um, Revelations chapter 2, verse 2. Here we have the words of Christ reflecting on the life of the church at Ephesus. And he says this, and I find it very interesting. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. So even in that setting, there was, there was a need to try the spirits, discern, and to hold to the true authority given to the apostles of Jesus Christ as they um, sought to live by faith. Today, this aspect of, of the scriptures not being closed, now, and perhaps some of you all have questions, likely do, and I, I don't know that I will have all the answers, but uh, with time and 
I do plan to try to look a little bit further as far as the elements of the New Testament canon and the Old Testament canon as well. And you might have questions. I know it's oftentimes we hear, well, what about the Apocrypha? What about these? What about that writing? And uh, we want to follow through on that with the help, with God's help. <clears throat> but in today's world, the the element of an ongoing open canon uh, providing for their own apostles to to go forth and to advance advance the the Christian faith as they see best. We see that in in a number of. religions around us the mormon religion they have their council of the latter-day saints the jehovah's witnesses they actually proclaim in their literature that they are the only organization that is promoting truth into all the world and we could understand that to be the perils that come with that <clears throat> Sometimes we know dear ones that relate to the Pentecostal churches and they perhaps not in a full full way would embrace um, some of what we're looking at here this morning, but they would make exception for those at times that would declare a direct revelation and give it equal authority to the scripture in their lives. So we need to warn and guard against those kind of things. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. We do want to cover that verse. There Paul says, If any man sets him forth as one to be spiritual. Uh, I don't have the exact wording here. Let me get there first. 1 Corinthians 14. Thirty-seven. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Was Paul being presumptuous? Another question I can leave with you. Did the Lord Jesus Christ teach the headship veiling, the order of headship? I'd like to give some clarity to that connection at some point. <clears throat> Elements of validation in the scriptures. A couple of the verses I'll just share here as I wrap things up in... Um, Second Peter chapter three, <clears throat> verses fifteen and sixteen. 
some dialogue regarding from one apostle to regarding another. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. And you realize what he's actually saying here? He, he's putting the writing of Paul on the same footing as other scripture. Do you notice that? Do you see that? It's a very important concept as we view the New Testament canon. I'll read it again. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some are in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So those he recognized were trying to, to turn and twist Paul's teaching. It was not a new concept. It was something they had already tried to do and did with other, the other scriptures as well. So he goes on and says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The scriptures are a miracle to me this morning. In John, Jesus said these words in John 16, verse 12, and I don't have it here to quote exactly, but I have many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. He was talking to the disciples. A reference to the fact that there were many things that were to be taught and to be revealed. And there's a reference in, in one of the introductions, um, we covered it the other week, regarding many of the teachings that Christ taught that we don't have record of in the scriptures of what was given but a reference to the fact that he taught them of the kingdom of God and then I found it interesting as well another aspect evidence of of Christ's teaching that comes out in Acts chapter 20 you might want to turn to that and I'm not sure how many other places this type of thing occurs I didn't get a chance to to say I understood that fully. But here we have in the book of Acts, we have some letters in red here in verse 35. These words were the words of Christ. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know where you stand this morning in your perception, your understanding of the word of God, but I believe without any doubt that God wants us to be firmly going forth in faith, understanding that he has set forth his word and that it affect his grace and power in our lives today. 
And, um, you know, it doesn't take long. If you want to, you can find someone to debate this and that and the other. But some of these details are a real help to you and I as we are reminded of the role they had, the impact they were, their, their doctrines, their, their teachings had, that it was authoritative, that it was confirmed by God. And um, we see much of the divisiveness in the Protestant world around us today is, is slicing and dicing the scriptures, separating the New Testament into sections, portions. And so may God help us go forward with our eyes open and our lamps lit, seeking to learn and ever be led of him for his grace, by his grace and for his glory.